0: To the text. If you look at your Bibles, I want to just kind of bring you along a little bit in the area of progression. Okay? Because we talk about the word of progressive. And, uh, I titled this message, The Progressive Christian. And you say, what does that mean? You know, Dean Howell's got a beard now, and then he's talking about the progressive Christian. So, he's gotta be, I've mu- uh, gotta be liberal. He's gone the wrong direction with his thinking. And so, um, so just set your presuppositions aside and look at the text. We'll begin there. And uh, give you an understanding a little bit concerning this particular word, "progressive," and what it's talking about. When we t- when we use the word "progressive," we must understand that it is used in two ways. Many times, if you were to Google it right now, you would actually see uh, that it is actually "progressive" would be used um, in two ways, and the first definition would be the one I want to uh, I want to tap into. Let me talk about the second definition. Um, So if we're talking about the two definitions, number one is happening or developing gradually in a stage, uh, producing or proceeding step by step. That's the progressive thought uh, when it comes to the text of the Bible before us. Because we want to get all of Paul's thinking here. We don't want to just tap into one verse and bring it out and say this is the key verse. But I want you to think about how he's thinking He's desiring the church at Thessalonica to be a church that would actually progress, not just to be a voice of the gospel, which they were, and they were the model church concerning that. They turned from their idols to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1, and he's weaved into this particular letter the the hope and the love and the... And and of course, the uh, what is it? Love, hope, and... oh What is it? Hope, love, and... Joy, hope, hope, love, and... Man, I just have a total space. If you look at verse number, number, uh, verse number three of chapter one, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. So he had it right, faith, hope, and love, because the greatest of these is what? Love. So he weaves that into this particular letter also, and uh, had a brain freeze there, but we're back now thought out. But if you, look, if you look a little bit into this text, you're seeing that there's a desire that he has to bring people further along. So when we're talking about progressive, I'm talking about step-by-step, step upwardly, toward the Lord. So we would look at the other definition of progressive. Um, if you haven't Googled already, it's a group or a person or an idea favoring or implementing social reform or new liberal ideas. You've heard of the progressive movement or those that are progressive Um, I I would say that um, if we're not careful, we would um, buy into the progressive movement. If we're not careful, we have to define things from the scriptures and look at things through the lens of the word of God. Many times when we're dealing with humans today, they view things a little differently than you. Uh, or me would would view these things, and so we have to be sensitive and and full of grace concerning their viewpoint and what they are thinking about. So, pro- progressivism is a movement, and I want to just talk about that a little bit. It's a it's a political philosophy in support of social reform, a social or political movement that identifies and really puts his aims toward represent uh, to to represent. The interests of the ordinary people, this is what they say, through political change and support of government change. So that's their main desire, progressivism, which is in the world today, in the world system. They believe that there is a cause to change the way things are um through through political change and then really support a governmental change. And so they're having trouble with the authority or the way that things are going right now in the world. The progressives desire to use movements to do that, whether it's the Black Life Matters movement or whether it's the um what's another one um that, that's used out there uh several of them uh, how about Freedom Inc. Uh, by the way, these are supported by our law enforcement agencies, uh, because there are those that are gonna be from a liberal mindset that believe that there needs to be a change because of the systemic issue with racism or whatever they're actually saying is there and so they believe this is the way to do that. Let me just share this with you. I'm tapping and I'm on thin ice today and I know that because nobody really wants to touch the issue of it but it is false. Progressive-ism is false. And let me just encourage you to go back to remember the days when there were people that knew what the laws were because we were in a republic and not a democracy. Remember that. Remember those days and how wonderful it was. And remember how God has blessed our nation for it. And so I am opposed to... Liberal change to the place of removing our history and all of the pain that our forefathers have went through to see what we have today. I'm against changing that, and so people say, "Well, you're an old fashioned person." Um, no, I'm a biblicist, and I don't want to be politically correct. Correct, I want to be. I want to be biblically accurate. I want, to, I want to teach and preach the word of God and the principles of God's word work. And by the way, real change comes when people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior, no matter what race they are, no matter what nationality or what nation they come from. They need the blood of Jesus Christ. Every person that's listening to me has the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed you, because without that, you are still in your sin. You are still in the old nature, and you will die in the old nature, and you will spend eternity in a place of fire. That's the truth. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you that. It is evidence that I love you and I care about you. And I want you to go back to the scriptures and understand that if we're looking at progression from a biblical perspective, and I want to be a progressive Christian, then there must be a desire for change. And change the heart. So, this is not really a progression that you're seeing out there with these movements, but a retrogression. I really believe that with all my heart. It is going in the wrong direction. It is going in the wrong direction really fast. And it's at a high speed. And many of you are involved with social media. And so you sense the battles that are there, that if you say anything that's actually offensive to somebody, then you got a problem, then you are uh, the, the issue. And by the way, their thinking would be to remove every single Christian, they could actually do what they want to do. This week, they are going to try to muzzle us so that we have to wear masks. We have to more restrictions in the church in order to be able to gather, in order to be able to have uh, uh, Christians come together for edification. We've got to do more to be able to appease them. Well, I'm telling you here that as the pastor of this church, I think it's more important that we honor the God of heaven When he told us to declare his word, he didn't say, put a mask on first. And you say, well, it's it's going to help people. Let me just give you my viewpoint in case you haven't caught it already. There needs to be a worshiping of the God of heaven today. And that's the answer. And we cannot do that. We cannot praise him fully with a mask on. We want to declare how wonderful he is. Take your mask off and tell people how wonderful God is. I think it's important for us to do that. And so we had a meeting yesterday called COVID meeting number five. And we had it yesterday morning because we have to make some guidelines and some adjustments for next Sunday. We want to honor God, right? We want to obey all the laws of the land. But there are some decisions that Grace Baptist Church needs to make. We are in Dane County. We are in Madison, Wisconsin. But look this morning, we are full as far as we can. And by the way, if there were no restrictions, I believe that this is only half that would come. If the restrictions were gone, we would have more people to be able to be blessed with gathering. But some of those are home. And remember the early years or the early weeks that we had to put that little small uh, thing up here, you know, and I was trying to adjust it all and trying to do... Listen, I'm a drywaller's kid. I don't like technology. You that have fought with me to... To, to try to get my sermons online or to try to videotape us. It's been hard to get us to do that. But we've had to adjust to it all because we believe that in order for people to progress in Christianity, the preaching of the, wor- of the Word of God needs to happen. And you need to be under it. Whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, there are plenty of great preachers in this city. And you can go to that preacher and you can sit underneath him and learn so much if you just go. But you'll also be loved by people around you that can pray for you and support you. Let's, let's look at this passage through different eyes if we can. Because many times we turn to this passage and we're talking a lot of times about the rapture of the church. We go right to the rapture. What's the context of that? What is, what is some lessons that we can learn from this particular chapter? We read it together. And how can we sum it up? And what can we learn from it? I, I think there are several things that just open up and to give us a little bit more understanding of what's happening here. There is a call. There is a higher calling and an exhortation for us to move forward in our Christian life in the first verse. He says really soundly, furthermore, so let's go further. Let's just not be the average believer. Let's go further in our Christian walk. Let's go higher than the average person in our devotions. Furthermore, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk, to please God, so you would abound more and more. Look at the word more and more. The words more and more. Abound more and more. We see it in verse number 10 that you would increase more and more. And so he he does this because he's drawing to us to the conclusion that there is a a, a higher step for you. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I want to get better. I don't want to digress. I don't want to be if that's the term I tried to look up that word, and I was going to use it earlier, but came up with retrogress. I don't want to be a part of the retrogression. Uh, I don't want to fall back. I want to keep moving forward. Now now take it, I have been in church a lot. My mom and dad took us to church. I was probably around seven years old, eight years old. We started going to church consistently. My next birthday, I'll be 60, so it's a long time. I've seen a lot of changes. I've been in a lot of churches, I have a lot of pastors. I've seen a lot, but the greatest need is for us to not be uh, content with our walk until we reach a higher plane, because you can go higher, and if, dear friend, if you think that you're higher than the person next to you, be careful, because that will cause you to lower yourself. You, will, you are not better than anybody else, but you personally need to go to a higher ground. Um, we can always do better in our walk with the Lord as I'm taking classes now and understanding back in school at my age, it's very difficult because I find myself being overwhelmed with with the inability to be as sharp as I used to be. And then go to school upon it, and then to have somebody like the professor I have right now, it gets very, very difficult. But I'm not going to shy back. From the calling of God. What, is this, what does this include? What does it involve? I, I think, first of all, the, call, the calling is to live under a sense of divine approval. So think about that for a moment. If God is calling you, he's calling you to live underneath his approval. Now, I, I know that children want their parents' approval. People, children live that way. They want, to be, they want their dad's approval. They, they want their mom's approval. But don't you think that the average Christian would want the father's approval? So who are we trying to be approved by? Our wives? Our cousins? Another pastor? We've got to go right to God and say, I want to live my life under the approval of, Of the God of heaven. That's what the call is. Come. Come unto me, all ye that are burdened. By the way, coming to him is absolutely essential. What a beautiful devotion someone said to me yesterday about coming to him. (laughs) We, We meet him where he is, and it changes us in his presence. When we enter into his presence corporately this morning, and we prayed already, we sung already, you're underneath the preaching of his word, you're looking at the text. And you should be saying, Lord, I want to go to a higher ground. That's my desire. Now, we won't be able to be completely there until we get to, him, to heaven. You know? So we can't really say that we live in a, a, a sinless perfection state. We are all still in the pre-raptured condition. We have the old nature. We battle with that constantly. It tricks us and deceives us. And so we go back to say, Lord, help me. To live underneath your approval. The divine mandate is for us, or the exhortation and the beseeching of the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica, was that they would heed to the call of God to live under the sense of divine approval. The second thing I see is that the call is to live in submission to divine authority. I really believe this is one of the crucial things because this is where wisdom is. And this is where really when we live in this particular position, we actually fear God. Then everything else makes sense when we have a reverence for the God of heaven. And so there needs to be a submission to that. So I don't submit to organizations. I don't submit to other people, so to speak. I want to be in submission to the divine authority, and that is the God of heaven. Now, if we have a problem with authority, then join the Marines. <laughs> I think that's where you know it can be really dealt with. If you don't know what the Marines are like, Go onto my Facebook page and go down. You'll see one of the posts I put there recently. I think I posted it. Maybe I didn't. But it reminded me of of that boot camp scenario where we had little small footprints on the concrete outside of the bus. And we were supposed to get onto those little footprints. And we did. And from that point on, the man yelled in our ear, I will be your mother, your father, and your God for the next 16 weeks. No, that was 12 weeks back then. Well, we had to submit to that drill instructor. And, and if we didn't do that, there were consequences for it. You, you learn, there was one fellow that had—he came from the inner city of Milwaukee, and he was having a little trouble with things. And so his, his biceps were bigger than anybody else's because of the push-ups that he had to do. You know, and he had to do push-ups by putting his feet up on a footlocker and then do the push-ups where all the weight is on his arms. But he learned. He learned. And, and, and we became really good friends. I remember my drill instructor was saying, did you have a brother in the Marines? I said, no, I had a mom that was really strict. He said, carry on. You know, you know. I think it's easy to submit to God. I don't think it's a hard thing. Do you think God would give you something to do that you couldn't do? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I really believe that that's part of the process of the Christian life is to every day get up and say, I'm being called I sense God calling me, not to Africa or Europe, especially these days, but he is calling me alongside of him. He is calling me to submit to him. He is calling for me to yield to a higher higher authority, and that is that God is in complete control. And what comfort that is. Progressive Christians have no problem with divine authority. They know that God is in charge, and I will submit to him. And I, I will say that whatever God is for, I am for. And whatever God is against, I am against. And what God says is good, I believe is good. And what God says is bad, I believe is bad. Because he is my authority. Isn't that our practice here? It brings order to us. Paul is expressing this to the church of Thessalonica. I want you to increase more and more. I want you to abound. I want you to be able to live the abundant life. But you must accept the fact that there's only one person that needs your approval. Or you need approval from him. And there is really only one person to submit to ultimately, and that is the God of heaven. And by the way, when you submit to him, it's real easy to submit to others during that time. Maybe that's part of the issue is that our hearts need to be in submission. So walk underneath the authority that really matters. Submit to the one who really matters. Go and get the approval of the one who really matters. And the focus goes back to God. What liberty this gives to us. I don't care about... Rules and regulations and church constitutions, this is far more above that. Because you are submitting to the God of heaven. All of that is important. But you're saying to God, I desire your approval and I submit to your authority. But the third thing, the call is to always be striving for divine aspirations. I had to find that word because I had to stick with A. What are aspirations? That's really your aims in life and your goal in life. That's your desire in life, to be able to do something for the Lord. That ought to be all of our issues. and It ought to be all of our desires, all striving for divine aspirations. Place your ambitions towards something that really matters. I was thinking this morning as I was witnessing to the mailman. He had to come and do some delivering today. and I walked out and I met him, CJ. CJ is from South Korea. CJ has been a mailman since 1998, and I've been a pastor of this church since 1998. And so we have some things in common. He's a born-again Christian. So we have that in common. In fact, this morning we prayed together, right out here. I came to the church early to deal with some things on online at my class and I got to see the mailman and what sweet time we had and I'm hoping that maybe he'll visit us sometime. Now he told me he goes to different churches, they're not really functioning now like like perhaps um, they could be but he said pray for us and I have four children and I said well let's do that right now and we had some prayer time together. We sought the Lord together giving us an opportunity to be able to Do what God desires for us to do and be able to be an encouragement to other people is absolutely essential. And we can't do it with social distancing. Well, it's part of the law, Pastor. I understand that. But God has given us a mandate to encourage one another and love one another. And by the way, we are being told to do a lot of these things by people that really don't know what they're doing. Exactly. But guess what? We know exactly what we're doing. And we, we, we have this incredible uh, responsibility to respond with grace, but also help them with their decisions because they may not be what God has, and I don't believe they are. I need to move on to number two. If you're taking notes, a higher calling is the exhortation of chapter number four. And I think it's important for us also, this accomplished, this is accomplished, and uh, being able to do all of this with the high calling, is accomplished through sanctification process, and that's in verses three three through seven. And what he's talking about as far as sanctification is this is the will of God. (laughs) And so what is he talking about, and how do we do this? I think it's important for us to remember that this involves abstinence from any sensual indulgence. (laughs) I said it. Any sensual indulgence is contrary to someone who desires to have the high calling of God upon their life. And we live in a world of sensuality, don't we? We're being tugged and pulled in every direction. It involves us. uh, It involves having the power and the ability to turn off the TV when it needs to be turned off. It gives us the ability. And by the way, he's given you the power to be holy. he's, He's given you that ability to go further than the average person as you listen to his voice calling you. Indulgence. Some people can't control their passions. And when that happens, there are consequences to it. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why they're trying to make it easier on the prisoner and harder upon the law-abiding citizen. Something's being turned around, and we've got to stop accepting it and stand up for what is actually right and true. For the health of our nation. Where are the men? I find all kinds of women that are doing... Do you know South Dakota is doing pretty good, but they have a woman governor? It's amazing to me. I'm not trying to be mean to you men, but you need to stand up, and so do I. I'm just as guilty as you are. Why are we not up there at the Capitol saying, Stop this nonsense. I think it's part of this. And by the way, the prepping in all of this, the eschatological reason for his letters, both in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Thess- Thessalonica, those, these particular letters are basically dealing with the second coming of Christ and the confusion that was out there because of it and the fear and the mental imbalance that it was causing because some felt it already came already could that happen to us if we're not careful? To have a sound mind and to rest upon the word of God and not our feelings or the feelings of the host of CNN. or CNN, or whatever that is. Is that a news station, CNN? Just wondering. Are they progressive? Yeah. Okay, I'll fill in the blank. True or false? Okay. So this is accomplished through the sanctification process. And this involves abstinence from sensual indulgence. It involves rigid maintenance and bodily purity. Now, let me tell you something. We don't talk about this much anymore, but there is a call that's happening in the fourth chapter of Thessalonica to live a holy life. Bodily. Do we present our bodies every morning to God and say, this is your vessel, not mine? Then why am I marking it up? Why am I destroying it? Why am I eating things that will cause me to have an early grave? Think about this. So when we're talking about the sanctification process, we are seeing scriptures in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that show us that we need to live a a holy life. Look what it says in verse number 6. It says that no man beyond should defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Listen. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So that's the call. He's calling us to live a pure life. This also involves an intense restraint of our evil desires. And even our impulses need to be governed. Lord, is this what you desire for me to do? Living the Christian life these days is a rarity. There's a lot of Christians, I understand that. But to live the Christian life, doesn't it take a little bit more awareness of what we're actually doing to live the kind of life that God wants us to live? There is. That's why the Holy Spirit has been given unto us, so that we be conscious of his presence. And if I have violated that, we will suffer the consequences inwardly, because we will be out of fellowship with God, and many times out of fellowship with believers. If you're taking notes the next point, true biblical progression will result in love for one another. I really believe this. Uh, I I think it's important for us to remember that God desires for us to love one another. Uh, It says in verse number 8, He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God who hath also given to us his Holy Spirit. By the way, when you're bitter at somebody, you're not bitter. You're bitter toward God, not them. So don't try to fake God out. You know, God brought that person into your life. Those things happened. God wanted you to respond. You're really mad at God. And don't despise God. Um, don't despise preaching. Um, that digression or that retrogression would happen... First, by, stop, by stopping your prayer life and your and time in the Bible. You would start sliding back. And then pretty soon you start having doubts. And then you would go further down the stream. And you would have deformed thinking of who God is. You start thinking God's not like who he really is. And then there's a departure that happens. But look what it says in verse number 9. But as, not, as touching brotherly love... You need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And I think it's important for us to understand, too, that as you grow and progress in God, so does your love for one another. I look at people differently than I did when I first came in this church. You know, I was talking to one of the guys yesterday, and I was watching him, and I could see in his eyes the pain of some of the things that he's been through. I couldn't see that early on. The Lord has, has been able to work with my heart. You know, if anybody's changed at Grace Baptist Church, it's been the pastor over all of these years. And I, and I hope that he would continue to straighten up and change it even more. Because I don't think any of us have arrived. I think we could all do better. And so biblical progression will result in love for one another. And God teaches us to love one another. It is commanded by Christ in John 15, verse number 17, that we love one another. It is exampled by Christ in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 16. Also John 3, 16, but 1 John 3. Hereby we perceive the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Self, sacrifice. So, but it speaks for itself, doesn't it? Loving one another is accomplished really by deed and not just by feeling or emotion. Because remember, we're not living sensually. You say, "I, "I love you," and cry with tears. Well, do something about that love. Call them every day. Write to them a letter. Take them something. I think it's important for us to go through the church directory, and they, we have that now, and find people that you haven't seen for a while, and you can actually show them your love. That It's an action. And this is what we grow into as we progress and should progress in the Lord. Biblical progression will result in loving one another. Loving one another is really contagious. It really is. Think about how that there's the issues going on in our world today that if we're not careful, some people will enter into a wrong sense of what is happening. And so I mean to give you the last point. The true biblical progression will have the proper view of the second coming of Christ. Sorrow was present here, and you wanted to address that. Because he says in verse number 13, he says, but, or let me give you a new subject. Let me shift gears a little bit. It would, I, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And I think the concern was that maybe perhaps they would miss the kingdom of heaven because they died. Because the sorrow for those that weren't there anymore was so high that it was messing with their brains concerning the second coming of Christ. And how is this all going to happen? Because I certainly wanted mom and dad to enjoy this, and I wanted grandma and grandpa to enjoy this, but they're gone. Because maybe they thought that the kingdom of heaven was going to be ushered in here on earth. didn't know that there was going to be a departure in the sky just think about the Christians in the early church. Think about what Jesus was walking and healing people. They didn't have any understanding of the rapture. In fact, his own apostles felt that he was going to bring the kingdom in, right? And usher it in. And they were going to sit with him in this kingdom, right? And Paul has to correct them. And help them to understand that they may be ignorant or foolish concerning this particular issue. And so, some not understanding or ignorant of this was his desire of writing it. It caused them to lose their mental balance. And then there was restlessness constantly. That's one indicator of mental issues a restlessness, a non sleep, an aggressive desire to do something. But I think there's another problem, and it's idleness. Someone who just sits there and doesn't want to do anything. I got a call in my office. I was sitting, going through 1 John. When I'm doing it, I'm taking 1 John, and you're going you're to enjoy some of that tonight as we come together again of the study of it. But I got a phone call by somebody that says, look, I have a man sitting on my porch here of my business, and... And uh, this woman owns a restaurant, and she's saying, he's been here, can you send somebody to help him? His name is Tom. And, and so I, I'm thinking in my mind, I've, got, a, I've got, a, I got till midnight tomorrow night to get all of this done. Now I'm taking care. Listen, if I could write down what I was able to accomplish yesterday, and that came my way yesterday, I have never sensed the spiritual warfare as bad as I felt it yesterday. <laughs> I've been living a long time. But to be able to handle that, you've got to have your armor on. And to come up here without sweating and do what I need to do, there needs to be some divine power from heaven giving me the ability to continue on because sometimes I just don't think I can go any further. So I get a phone call. Come help this guy. You know what I do? I try to help as many people as I can. So do you. Grace Baptist Church is known for that. So I'm thinking, there's got to be somebody, and so-and-so. They're out of town, so yeah. And I looked down at the text, and I was explaining 1 John. I was writing it all out as far as doing an exegesis or hermeneutical theological analysis of 1 John, and it was saying that if you really see your neighbor in need and you don't do anything about it and, you know, The love of the Father, is it really in you? I said, that settles it. I'll be right over. And I got up and I drove over there. But he wasn't. His sleeping bag was because he's sleeping outside. And I'm going into the story because I need something that I can actually open the shades so you can see a little bit more of what is needed in our society today, and that is that desire to be able to help people because they may not be all together up here because of the pressures that they're going through. And there are times when sometimes where people just can't go any further and they sleep in their car or they sleep between two buildings. And then every morning they get up thinking they're never going to be able to get back to where they once were until a helping hand comes along. And I want to encourage you That idleness, because day after day after day after day, he sits there on their porch, does nothing but think about the past and so afraid of the future. What a terrible way to live, amen? So who's going to help him? You are. Hopefully. But you must have a sound mind, first of all. And fear is an enemy of sound mind. And so he must be at peace completely. So let me just give you this understanding. The biblical progression will have a proper view of the second coming of Christ. The coming of Christ is imminent. Not eminent. Imminent. So what does that word mean? It means it is about to happen. At least we are to live our lives as if it could happen any moment. Now, that means that we have to take action to get things right, right? We would think, you know, like a mom dad, you know, they said, we're going to go out to eat. You guys have a good time. What time are you going to be home? We were hoping that they would say exactly what time they're going to be home because then we can clean the house up, right? We didn't know what time they're coming, but they're coming home. So probably an hour and a half, two hours after they were gone, we started to act as if they could come. We knew that their coming was imminent. And so we made sure that we were in line with what was needed. We took the bicycles back outside. We tried to rake the carpeting back to where it would look normal. Because remember the rakes they used to have for carpeting? I remember I was raking our front room one time and I found a fish stick there. It was hiding, and I don't know what caused me to do it, but it was like smell me. (laughs) Ah! Been there for a while. There's only one person in my family back then that loved fish sticks, and that was Dale. He's driving. He's actually on vacation in Minnesota right now, so he's probably not listening to me. But I clean up your fish stick, Dale. What I'm trying to say is that you never know when the Father is going to appear. We'll be in his presence. Dear friend, we talk about it. But to have fresh understanding of it this morning, I pray that God would allow that to fall upon you in these coronavirus days. That we would be submissive to God. That would be people that would actually look for his approval. And know and be ready for his coming. But it's imminent. But it's also quickly but not quietly. Because we see the text because of the prepositions in the text. If you just look at them quickly with me, we're looking at verse number, oh, I believe it is number 16. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. So there's a, a voice and a shout and a trumpet. I don't think that's quietly. I think every Christian will know what's happening. I remember one time recently I was in my office and I heard the siren back here. I mean it gets really loud. And for a moment there I'm thinking, it's here. It's not here, it's just the fires. Just a tornado thing going on. And it's done the first Wednesday of every month, and I knew that after I, after it settled a little bit. You know. Quickly but not quietly. So what does this imply? implies really that there is an authority and an urgency from God at that particular time to draw his people to himself. Saints that have died will not be at a disadvantage. Listen to what it says. For we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. So we know the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we also shall be caught up. Interesting word. Because when we're talking about being caught up, we're talking about somebody who was snatched up. Someone who is swept up. Someone who is carried off by force. No virtual device in heaven. We will see each other, and we will see him as he is. What a wonderful day that will be. But until then, let us progress the way God wants us to progress. How do we do that? In closing, I want you to know that God desires for us to have a relationship with him. How do I get to God? Only through Jesus Christ. But only through Jesus Christ living internally. What I mean is that you may have a brain understanding of Jesus, but what you need to have is a heart understanding of Jesus Christ. You need to open the door and receive him in. Accept him into your life. I accept your work on the cross for my justification. I can't be just because of my deeds. This is part of progressing in the right direction and in the right way. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you have never... Trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the first step. But the second step is for you to follow Him in believers' baptism. Now that you believe, come. Show others that you believe. What a blessing to see Karen up here. Karen wanted to get baptized recently, she had been saved years ago, and now she is progressing. In her walk with God, and she's abounding more and more. Talk to her. How about one, how wonderful it is to take directories to people that are shut-ins? She loves to do it and sit down and talk to them. You know what? She probably wouldn't have done this a few years back. Now God's worked within her. That's because God desires for us to move forward spiritually. Amen. Enough said. I've been talking too much, but maybe this will help you today. Maybe it's not just the being saved and baptized but really submitting your heart to God and saying, Lord, I don't want to submit to Grace Baptist Church or to to some kind of system. I want to submit to you. Maybe that's what you're lacking today. And say, I submit to you, Lord. I'm saved, I've been baptized, but I just haven't been fully surrendered yet. And that's what I want to do today. Why don't you do that? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here this morning and maybe your heart is tender to the Lord and You need to come and deal with things here at the altar. Why don't you come and do that? I'm going to close in a word of prayer in just a little bit, but I think we need to have an invitation first. Why don't you just stand right where you are with every head bowed and every eye closed? God has already dealt with you on some things, and, and this is an opportunity for you to move on that, to step out and take action concerning that calling that's been upon you for all of these years. Why don't you come if you need to? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in this invitation and you would work in the hearts of the people. In Jesus' name, amen. One more stanza. Maybe right there in your pew, right there, you'd say, Lord, here I am. And yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I think it would be important for, for Bob, why don't you come up. i want to close our service with a word of prayer, Bob, if you would. Mind coming up here and closing our service? Bob's been a blessing to me. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. I think I'll help you how to walk worthy in a wicked world. We'll start a series. You'll be the ones that get to go walk through that with me. It's not something I've read. It's something that I've developed through the scriptures. The Stolls are here. What a blessing to have you guys. You guys were members of this church for how many years? years. 20 years. You don't look like you're that old to do that. You're not. You're not. Yeah. Uh, what a blessing to have the Stoles here today. And many of you don't know who they are, but I believe that Pastor Dow may have led you to Christ. Um, and so then that was a blessing to, to see you through the years coming back. Some of you know who they are, but it's a blessing. And many, many more, but i got to be quiet. So be back at 6 o'clock. Why don't you close our service, Brother Bob, right here, if you would, and close our service with a word. Dear Heavenly Father, we just gather today just to praise you for how much you care for us, how much you love us. We thank you for the the words you've inspired us through Pastor Dean today. Guide us as we share your love with one another around us. We just praise you for the strength to live each day for you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.